0: You're listening to The Tripping Off Podcast. Maybe you're like me and have been frustrated with the toxic positivity culture that lives on social media. And in a world where media attention seems to barely last longer than 15 seconds, it's difficult to create a community of care and empathy. Well, today I'm joined by a therapist who does the impossible. Dr. Justin Puder provides real empathy, quality community, and research-supported content on TikTok, and is certainly one of the pillars of the community. You can find him at a modern therapist. He certainly lives up to that title. He shares his story of growing up in chaos, battling OCD, and living a life of no sleep as a new father. You're in for a good one. So let's trip off together. This episode of the Tripping Off podcast was sponsored by HD Counseling. They are truly the future of therapy, with a network of over 30 therapists in the Orlando and Winter Park area, who each specialize in different mental health topics. They provide the care and empathy needed to truly change your life. What makes them unique is that each therapist runs their own business under the cooperative of HD Counseling. So no matter what you're going through, you will receive an independent, highly motivated therapist who will care and empower you to create change in your life. Even if you are outside the Orlando area, every therapist offers telehealth sessions to anyone in the state of Florida. Find your perfect therapist at www.hdcounseling.com. They are committed to your growth. Tripping Off is produced in partnership with Trauma-Focused Hypnotherapy. If you are interested in understanding more about the unconscious mind, or you're looking to get certified as a hypnotherapist yourself, you can find all the information you need at www.hdcounseling.com traumafocusedhypnotherapy.com many therapists and clients are leaving behind more traditional therapy and opting for hypnotherapy due to the radical changes that take place in just a short period of time where other therapies only talk about the problem hypnosis allows the client to experience change then take this experience with them into their lives for a true transformation Welcome to the Tripping Off Podcast. I have today, Dr. Justin Puder. Most of you probably know him at uh, A Modern Therapist on TikTok and Instagram. He's amazing. And I'm going to make him uncomfortable just for a moment because he's such a humble and nice guy. But I got to be honest, there is a depth of quality in his videos that I haven't seen anywhere else. Like the production quality looks like he's got a full studio team, but uh, I think this is just a sleep deprived dad who's really putting in the hours. (laughs) (laughs) to make it work. Justin, I'm so, so glad to have you here, man.
1: I'll pay you that 20 bucks later for saying all that. That
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, no payment needed. It's, it's so crazy to be uh, talking like this because in all honesty, when I first like was trying to figure out the whole TikTok thing, like you were one of the first TikTok therapists that showed up on my For You page and I started following. I was like, wow, this guy, Justin, like he's got some good stuff going on here, man. (laughs) And, and since then,
1: you just blaze past me on followers. So now it's it's flipped, and I'm like, dude, I don't.
0: Give me all your tips, I don't, dude. I don't even know. People like to talk about dreams. That's all I can say. Oh yeah, this kind of worked out. Dreams are weird, man. So it's it's been kind of a fun ride. But um, yeah, if you haven't checked them out, you gotta follow one of the key players, the the four pillars of TikTok therapist, wow. <laughs> Doctor Justin Puder. Man, well, I'm I'm glad you're here. Uh, sleep deprivation at all. You just had uh, a baby, dude. Well, I mean, vicariously through your wife had a baby.
1: Yeah, and it's been so crazy that you get all this advice, unsolicited advice, when you're about to become a parent. And I'd say 90% of it is crap. It's very particular to their child. And every child, every person is different. But the one universal truth that's held is good luck on sleep. Like I, I don't know any new parent out there who's just like, oh, yeah, sleep didn't take a massive hit.
0: Mm. So that one's accurate.
1: That is absolutely accurate. <laughs> that You just get used to being like, I don't know what it feels like to wake up in the morning and not be exhausted.
0: Jeez. Does you, your body just normalize at a certain point? Like, Do you just <laughs> realize, oh, all these things that I thought I needed, apparently I can just live without them.
1: You get used to the fog and the haze. Like, I had one good weekend sleep. That was a couple weekends ago. And I woke up without that fog, without that, like, just heaviness in the body. And I'm like, I could do anything. And I'm like, Man. <laughs> that's how I used to feel pre being a parent.
0: you like, uh like, like Super Saiyan here. You're like, this isn't even my final form. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> okay. what I could do with sleep. Wild, right?
1: Wild. But. Of the things in our health or mental health realm that, like, you can't fully appreciate until you go a long period of time without it there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I Man, how much do you think you're sleeping a night right now?
1: Gosh, probably. And it's gotten better, but, like, in the okay. beginning, it was like I was up every two and a half to three hours because Gina had to have two surgeries. Um, one, you know, C-section surgery and one to stop internal bleeding. So she was absolutely out of it. So I was waking up, you know, every hour and a half to two hours for all the the formula feedings. Now it's better. I I would say I'm getting broken, like maybe a total of six, six and a half
0: hours. Dude, mad, mad props to you. Dad props over here. (laughs) Dad props and you know i mean being on the sleep side of tiktok uh myself like sleep is crazy important there's actually some interesting studies that you know kind of before they really um knew how to treat people right with studying psychology they um they did this study on uh some some well people in the military and they had three groups right one of them they let uh just normal control group, right? One of them, they let sleep as much as they want. But as soon as they got to the REM cycle of sleep, they woke them up. Not like electric shock, but they like shook them awake, right? You're not allowed to get REM sleep. And the other one, they just didn't let sleep at all. And they kind of watched to see what would happen. And the interesting thing was uh, both of them descended into madness at the same rate, (laughs) If you don't get that REM sleep, which like you're saying, you know, if you're getting an hour and a half to two hours, you really need about three to hit a full cycle. Like, I mean, we're talking literal, like literal madness.
1: It's so crazy. And to notice for you, what starts slipping first, like for me, sequencing of things, like just knowing like how I'm going to go about recording the video. I know you record a ton of videos, but just the process of like, what should I be doing first here? We're so used to, I used to get the piece of paper out, scroll to see what's trending, think like, Mm. how can I put a mental health twist? Like that was all like this. And then it's like, you find yourself just spacing, staring out the window in 15 minutes of the last, (laughs) and like the sequence of the processing is just gone.
0: It's just gone. Yeah. Do you think, do you think that, uh, so this is curious to me because, Uh, I've noticed that when I'm in that fog, and I don't know if I've experienced it to the level that you're talking about, but when I'm in that fog, you know, my conscious critical thinking is the most affected. So I kind of run on autopilot, which is a lot of what I do as a hypnotherapist is communicating and working with the unconscious part of the brain. Um, You kind of have to rely and count on yourself to kick into autopilot, just let it happen. So I know you do a lot of like scripting with your videos. Like you really put a lot of time and effort and that really shows most of my videos are, I just do what I feel in the moment and I just make it really authentic. And that, I mean, that's the only way I can make like the two, three videos a day that I do. Um, Cause it's not the same production quality. It's just, Hey, whatever I'm feeling, I'm just going to turn on the camera and start talking. And that's, what's going to come out. So long story short, do you find that you have a new trust in yourself to just be able to do these things without having to overthink it?
1: To your point, like I think that's where the best videos come from. Like you get that, that intuition spike, that creativity spike where it just hits you in a moment. But the thing you can take for granted is like how do you get into that? Cuz it's like when I'm rolling out of bed, tired and heavy and I'm like, man, I could sleep. I could sleep this day away. You forget that there's a process for you coming into that moment. Maybe you're listening to music. Maybe you just got out of the shower. Maybe you went for a walk or a run. But there's a process for most people of how do you just get into that intuition, creativity, flow mode. And for me, that's the thing that feels like real work right now on the Mm. sleep deprivation side of things. Mm. It feels like I'm really like gears are turning to get to that point of like, Oh, here's an idea where that used to be like the easiest part is like you'd sit down, maybe I'd check a few trending sounds and the ideas were just there. Um, Yeah. Now it really does feel like more work.
0: Uh, Flow state's tough without sleep.
1: Yeah. In conclusion, that seems to be an important thing. And now for me, I feel like I'm getting my best ideas. Like when I am doing something, like I'm out walking, I'm running um we were at the beach the other day and i just like mm. pulled out my phone it was like writing in the notepad but it it, it just doesn't feel as seamless
0: yeah i hear that well man i hope hope that stage doesn't last forever i hope you get some good help i hope you get some good sleep super important man
1: <laughs> i think it's just all a part of it like there's there's parts of it that make me feel really grateful like like anything else as you look back. I'm like, wow, there's a point where literally I would be like passing out throughout the day because, you know, you're waking up every two to three hours. And now I'm like, oh, I don't feel that bad anymore. It's just maybe <laughs> I'm not at the 100%. but as you, you kind can- of... Yeah.
0: You kind of find a new uh, a new scale, right? You thought like this was your scale you can operate inside. And now you're like, wow, like I, I can do some pretty decent work even at like 25% power.
1: <laughs> oh, exactly. That's exactly right.
0: Yeah. yeah. It's I know yeah. my
1: skin like, you use has gone way up as a product back. And I'm like, <laughs> you're like, you wake up at 25% and you're like, you know what would boost this to 45 if you just took two shots of espresso right now?
0: That would really do it. <laughs> Oh man, but um, but I know that that can kind of have some side effects for you in particular because you've been very open on TikTok about like your personal journey through OCD and anxiety and how much that's a big part of your life. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about that, like you know your journey through OCD and anxiety. I love if anyone hasn't seen you just posted kind of a really personal story about how you got diagnosed with OCD that I thought was incredibly interesting. Just you know how these intrusive thoughts were happening and anyways. Talk talk about that for a minute, like your journey through those things.
1: Yeah, like many people, you can have a lot of things that are kind of in the background, whether it's like depression, anxiety, anything. And then as our self care dips, everything else dips, right? As we become more stressed, we're not working out as much as we used to. We're not expressing our emotions. And in that video I shared on TikTok, I talked about how when I was first becoming a therapist in my doctorate program. I was putting ungodly amounts of pressure on myself just to mm. be like the perfect person, help everyone, save everyone, totally stopped exercising, totally stopped like expressing how I was feeling totally in that like self-sacrificial mode that a lot of therapists or counselors are helping profession. People can fall into, true. but yeah, I, I started having these horrific thoughts that I never quite had before. I had thought like maybe I was a little obsessive, but this was just different. These thoughts were like blindsided me in the middle of the day out of nowhere of like mm-hmm. horrific images of me hurting myself, me hurting other people. And so of course I freaked out because I was like, wow, like mentally I've, I've totally lost it. I need to be in an institution somewhere. <laughs> You're like, Not- that's it, I'm crazy. <laughs> it's over with, it's, it's done. done. <laughs> End of the story which like and looking back like i laugh like at how both traumatic and dramatic that felt yeah when it really took one session with a therapist for them to be like you know this is ocd and at that time i was just like no like i, I don't have any compulsions i'm not doing sort of stereotypical ocd things like counting or doing rituals i was just having intrusive thoughts and they explained to me mm. you know there's a form of ocd called big o ocd where You're not stuck in those compulsive behaviors, but you're definitely inundated with intrusive thoughts. That's been a part of my story for a long time, even since then, that as my self-care dips, if I'm starting to put too much pressure on myself, getting lost in my own perfectionism, I will, like clockwork, notice these thoughts creeping back into my life, like almost like a temperature gauge of, dude, you're not taking care of yourself.
0: yeah. Yeah. So, so, is that really then the solution? I don't even know if I like phrasing it that way because from you know from my perspective with the things that I work with, um, doing hypnotherapy and working with the unconscious mind, those negative, uh, intrusive, compulsive sort of thoughts are really just misinterpreted emotions that are taking place below the surface. And if we can kind of give them voice and give them the respect and the care that they deserve, they really have some pretty valuable things to show us. So I, I kind of hesitate to use that term. Like, how do you fix that? Or how do you cure that? But it almost sounds like you're saying that when you can start taking care of yourself and notice, oh, wow, I'm really, I don't know if I want to say like Messiah complex or <laughs> too much, too much self-sacrificing on this one side, um, those kind of things start to creep in. And that's like an awareness sort of trigger, a little red flag, like, oh, whoopsies got to take better care of myself. Is that is that really the solution to that problem?
1: Well, I love what you're describing there, Jesse, because to me, it's about release. And you're right, being mm. like, down to the emotion below all this or the connected to all this is a form of release. For me, exercise is a form of release. Talking with friends, oh, yeah. going places, traveling, being out in nature. Like these are all things that cause release and at the same time grounding, that we're grounded in what is in a moment instead of being lost in one, you know, cluster of neurons firing in the brain that might produce disturbing thoughts. So yeah. it's all forms of release, but of course, yeah, being in the field, the mental health field, we get, we gravitate towards like, what is the emotional or subconscious going on here?
0: Yeah. hundred percent. And oftentimes I find like dreams are that way too. You know, people will tell me all the times about their nightmares because, well, you know, when we dream, we go to sleep and the conscious mind turns off. And so there'll be these nightmares that'll happen and people like, oh my gosh, I, I gotta be institutionalized. This is it. Like I'm going crazy. I'm like, no, no, no. Like your dreams are, are windows into the raw emotions that are taking place below the surface. And I think what that therapist did And I think what was so impactful for you, you're saying is they just normalize that. They're like, Hey, like you're you're not crazy. There's some emotions that need to come out. There's some self-care that needs to be done in order to, well, provide for your own body the way that it needs to. Same thing with dreams. It's like, well, yeah, you're taking that dream too literally. There's, there's an emotion below the surface of that. Like, sure. Maybe that dream was violent. So You know, you're not going to go do that, but maybe there's some unexpressed anger you're feeling and what's below anger. We know below anger, there's pain and hurt and fear. So it's like, okay, let's explore that. That's a, that's fine to deal with. You don't have to worry about the violence or anything like that. Um, So that, I mean, that's just a beautiful message, like normalizing things, which, you know, to kind of even filter back into you've normalize therapy and normalize this process, anxiety, OCD, so much, which I think is so helpful to those people who follow you.
1: I I really appreciate that. And I think anytime, like we can have a platform, um, us expressing our authentic journey, I think is the, one of the best things we can do. We all have different human experiences, but especially being someone that's in the mental health field, showing we're not immune to mental health difficulties, Mm. I, I think that's the coolest thing to connect over because it, it's easy. I don't want to say it's easy, but it's common that we could all like dive into the DSM and be like, here are some signs that you might have OCPD or here's some signs that you've been through, <laughs> you know, something traumatic. I don't those know. Those are
0: sounding awfully familiar to some things I've heard on TikTok.
1: <laughs> I've <I'm> got <laughs> all those videos. I'm, I'm Call, just, calling them out. <laughs> uh, I'm as guilty as anybody, but it, it doesn't, the same texture as when you can say as somebody in the mental health field, like, yeah, I've experienced forms of this or this as well. And of course, we haven't been through everything, but there's a reason why we got in this field. And that's often overlooked for people.
0: Yeah. Can you talk to me a little more about that? Like, what what was it or when was it that you decided to get into this field? I mean, there's always a story behind why someone becomes a therapist.
1: Uh, and it's the most interesting part. Like, I really, I really believe that. Like for me growing up, my brother was diagnosed with bipolar disorder type one early, like mm-hmm. really early. Mm-hmm. Looking back, even like now, I'm like, how'd they diagnose him that early? But I mean they were right. Like he was 13 years old and got that diagnosis.
0: Oh yeah. Are you an- allowed to diagnose at 13 for bipolar? Technically, no.
1: No, no. You <laughs> wouldn't, <laughs> but they were confident and they were spot on. Like he was. Yeah. He was already going in and out of juvenile detention, Mm. then eventually into state hospitals and got really stuck in a substance use problem, all while my dad was on and off battling brain cancer. So my early life was really, there was plenty of stuff to get stuck in. And I definitely did. I was struggling with panic attacks with both my brother and father's like different battles. Um, and eventually they both passed away. My brother ended up dying from a substance drug overdose, and mm-hmm. my dad died of brain cancer. And so I started studying psychology to be like, why the hell did me and my brother grow up in the same home and we're so damn different? Right. Like Great how can that be? Um, and so that gave me a lot of light and answers into like understanding the biology behind mental illness and especially severe mental health difficulties. But then it wasn't until like I graduated and had uh, the bachelor's in psychology, but I'd done a ton of broadcasting work and was really like, I'm going to go into broadcasting. This is going to be... Uh-huh. It. And it wasn't until my dad died from brain cancer that I just felt like the broadcasting world didn't have the depth that I felt like I was meant out to go into. So that yeah. after my dad died, it made me know, like I I want to help other people who have been through difficult shit.
0: Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, some of those things about like anxiety and the panic attacks. I mean, I can only imagine, I, I can only imagine, cause I've never lived that experience, the level of unpredictability and chaos that that must've been. And so those panic attacks and like that, those OCD type symptoms, the anxiety, like just a small attempt for your brain to try and make sense. And, you know, some consistency in a world that was incredibly inconsistent unpredictable that's scary
1: absolutely and like even you saying that is validating and my first therapy experience was just that was like this fantastic therapist who really led me into like what are the day-to-day emotions like you're 15 years old at this point. point mm. first time i went into therapy that you're going through and it was just such an unpredictable ride like in my family with My dad being told like, you know, you're not going to live much longer to him having emergency brain surgery and being like, he should be fine. Then it coming back. And of course, my brother was just like, you know, all over the place in his struggles and us trying to, as a family, help him out and to really know avail long term. But it's hard Mm -hmm. as a family member to set boundaries and know there's only so much you can do, especially when you're a teenager. You know, you got enough like coming of age crap to try to figure out. Oh and yeah! In the midst of all that, you're you're going through a number of things that I look back on, and I'm like, I can't believe all that shit happened, you know, at the same time.
0: Yeah. What do you think is like the the ways in which those type of experiences have played into you being a therapist? Because I can only imagine that going through such uh, an incredibly unique scenario like you have shaped your mind, shaped the way that you worked in certain ways. That's probably given you some incredible abilities. As difficult as that well, upbringing might've been.
1: I think it, it really solidified for me uh, knowing that pl- people need a place of connection where they can just talk about the things mm. that they don't normally talk about. They can express the things that they don't normally express. I know that might sound cliche, of course, but when you're in the midst of a storm like that, that is years in the making, you get used to just like, the rain and everything coming down on you, and your head's down. That you're not used to actually naming and talking about what you're experiencing. And so for me, like I, ha- I do feel like of all the strengths and weaknesses we have as therapists, as mental health counselors, um, I feel like my holding space is pretty broad for people. Like I, I can totally understand when you've been suffering for a long time. Change is not going to be easy, and going towards the vulnerability of your day to day life
0: is damn hard. Mm. Tell them, tell them, Dr. J, you're so right. I'm gonna preach on it, (laughs) (laughs) I'm feeling it. Oh, yeah, (laughs) that's that you know, and and it kind of leads into something else I want to talk about, which is. You know, uh, not only is being a therapist incredibly difficult, uh, but on top of that, being a social media influencer, which you are, is also incredibly difficult because um there are over one hundred and seventy thousand sets of eyeballs that watch what you do and have their own projections, their own judgments, their own feelings, their own interactions, misunderstandings, interpretations of the content that you create, your ability to hold intention those unsettling emotions that they feel, uh, is I think one of the things, well, that drew me to you as a creator. Uh, but also I think is what gives you such an impact with your community. Um, how do you deal with holding that space, especially when it comes to like hate comments or people misunderstanding you?
1: Yeah. And I know, you know, this too, it's, it happens in almost every video you post. Oh yeah. So it's going to interpret what you put out there wrong or, just in their own suffering is gonna project exactly like you said, their own their own suffering into your video, into those comments. But I, the privilege you get of being a therapist is you get to understand people's narratives. You get to look behind the curtain and it doesn't take long to realize everybody is suffering in their own way. And when you have the details, the narrative of their life, when you have that map, it makes sense. It's not like it's a big mystery. And so I I do know one of the perks of this gig is it gives you a lot of compassion for people that I mm. definitely didn't have before I started this. Like I would read a comment like that I'd be like, what the hell is wrong with that person? <laughs> but now it's like, even though I don't know their exact story, you know there's a reason why. You know, you, you know that there's been a number of things that have happened in their life that their way of connecting with others is to reach out and, you know, try to get connection by trolling them or getting under their skin. So it's not easy, but that perspective holds true.
0: Yeah. Awareness, it almost sounds like. Like having, having your mind opened to, hey, there's more to this than just this 140 character comment that someone left on my video that was inflammatory. There's a person behind it, there's a story behind that person, and there's pain behind that story, behind that person, behind that comment. goes so deep. And so it sounds like, I mean, just the work that you've done, I mean, you have a a PhD for goodness sakes in this stuff, you know, having that level of understanding, uh, helps so much with being able to, well, really be tactful with your responses.
1: That's it. That's a good word. And like, and maybe you feel the same way, but, and I still have bad days, right? We're all, (laughs) (laughs) we're like, guilty. (laughs) One of those days where shit just isn't going right and you you read a couple of those comments and you're just like, damn, like it's not that it doesn't hurt or doesn't get you. Like there are some days where I read those things I'm like, oh man, but it definitely doesn't cut as deep because you immediately can come to the surface and be like, okay, like obviously this is related to what they've been through in their lives.
0: Right, right. And so, oh, hey, I touched on some nerves, like that's bound to happen. I've always kind of reframed it personally, like you know, if I'm not, and and the purpose is not to get hate comments, but if I'm not saying something so impactful that there's not a subset of the community who is responding very emotionally to that content, then I'm probably not creating the level of content that's emotionally impactful I want to create.
1: That's right. And that's where like, again, I'm shouting myself out in this. We can all go through the DSM and cite all the the signs of social anxiety, but is that the depth that's really gonna help people think about their mental health? For some, maybe, but for me, those are very like surface level videos that are important, but you're exactly right. They're not gonna really help create movement um, like so many of your videos and other um, people who are TikTok therapists or mental health influencers have made.
0: Yeah. You know, I think it was, there's a guy I follow who I really, um, I really value. His name's Jeff Corrett, You heard of him? He's like uh he's like the TikTok guru. He like knows the algorithms, always following the trends and <clears throat> people ask him like if you know so much about TikTok and all this stuff how come you're not uh you know at 10 million like Bella Porch and I'm like and he responds he's like well listen guys I I have a niche here. Like I'm creating content for a certain substrata of the TikTok stratosphere here. Uh I'm not universally applicable like somebody who doesn't often use a lot of words like Bella Porch and just dances. Right. You know, that's a, that's a larger audience. He's like, I'm here to help creators. And even in his bio, it says, uh, I'm your creator's favorite creator, which I think is so meta. I love that. You know? And so I think, you know, with us, it can be easy to focus on the numbers. Um, when I think that's probably the wrong goal, like there's, um, there's really something important to understanding. I'm here for a certain person and I need to create value for that person. If the goal is to have like a million followers, I'm kind of missing the point, aren't I?
1: I totally agree. And in the back and forth of that, because you know, it becomes so much of your life where you put a lot of energy into a video, even if it came to you spontaneously, it's it's your energy and it's your passion coming out that You can care when you're like, oh, man, this, you know, only got a couple hundred views. Like, what's up with that? But by the same token, I I try to stay grounded in exactly what you're alluding to of if this can reach a few people and impact them on a deep level that maybe they're not getting their own psychotherapy, but maybe this helps them get to therapy or at least helps them bridge and get to their own like emotional processing or know they're not alone then the video was meaningful because I do, I think you can make a lot of like popular videos that could go viral that don't have any depth that people might laugh at once or twice, but really it doesn't change their life at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I do, I, Being in the mental health space, I think we have a unique opportunity to make videos that could create significant change for people, even in 59 seconds.
0: <laughs> which is, which is crazy. and even sometimes even shorter than that, like I watched the analytics, like, Really, about after twenty seconds, there's a huge drop. Yeah, I'm like wow, attention span. That, whole nother topic, whole nother podcast. <laughs>
1: <laughs> totally, I agree. I agree, and we all fall victim to that too. I'm the same way. That in those first few seconds, my brain is deciding: is this it or is this not? Should I keep uh, it?
0: Swipe? swipe, scroll? Absolutely. So, kind of, kind of shifting a little bit. Um, what is it? I mean, you you have a private practice. You know, you're a therapist you know, in Florida. We, have, we share we share a state.
1: Florida boys,
0: <laughs> what's up? Um, what tell tell me a little bit more about like your professional life. Like what what sort of theoretical orientation do you work from? Um, how do you really approach mental health? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, the theoretical orientations I gravitate towards the most are interpersonal process and emotion focused. And the reason I gravitate towards those is I think most most of the difficulties we face in life are social in nature. It doesn't mean all of them are, but that we adapt in ways that we form um, ways of adapting in our interactions to other people that may have helped us through a period of time, like a traumatic period, but in the long haul can create isolation or misunderstanding or just not allow us to create the best connections. So that's what I love about Hmm. the process. And it really uses the theoretical relationship, you know, the bond I form with the clients that I have to be able to point out ways that they might not be connecting and embracing themselves in the social realm the best that they can. Behind that, I lean way more emotional than cognitive. And part of that is on having OCD, for sure, that I've learned for me that when my cognitions, when my thoughts are going all over the place, they might be straight BS. And it doesn't mm. mean there's nothing there, but usually the something that's there is emotion. There's some sort of emotional experience throughout my life that I'm not tapping into. A lot of cognitive behavioral therapists out there who lean more cognitive, I, of course, it has utility. But for me, the depth of the work is usually in the emotion.
0: Yeah, yeah. I knew there's a reason I liked your work, Jay. <laughs> You're like that was it. I was looking. I was like, that was. That was. I knew. I knew it was. Uh, as as a uh as a psychodynamic and dare I say uh, psychoanalytic type of therapist myself, I mean obviously a uh, huge, huge enchantment myself with Freud and dreams and all that stuff. Uh, I think Freud was brilliant. And I think he gets a lot of a lot of garbage. So, you know, anyone out there, fight me on it. I'm I'm ready. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think not your average therapist um would totally fight you on that. But I agree. Like Freud had some weird theories, but he was right about a lot of things. So yeah. Like all things in history, when we look back, we realize that oh, it's easy to Mm. highlight what someone's wrong about, but yeah, it started us off, right? Early life experiences, the unconscious, so many things
0: which lends itself so much to exactly what you're talking about. Like, Hey, you know, we develop a pattern of relationship with our primary caregivers and that primary pattern of relationship then carries with us through the rest of our life. So if we had, you know, even like you're saying, I mean, this applies to my life just as much as it applies to your life in a situation where we have a pretty extreme and intense relationship with our primary environment, that form of survival coping is going to last with us through the rest of our life. And that's kind of, kind of why I asked that question. You know, I said um, those experiences that you've had growing up, I think that they have created in you a way of relating to other human beings that is one impressive and two lends itself so well to therapy because you have such an ability to uh, hold the tension of chaos (laughs) Because of the chaos you experience, that it doesn't matter what level of chaos somebody brings into your office. you're like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll hold on to this. let's let's kind of pick through it, you know, like, oh, we don't need that. Well, let's pull that one out." And oh, yeah, okay, I, that one makes sense. that's That's an incredible gift. And you've found a way where other people that may lead them to dysfunctional ways of being, you've found a way to use that and to really embrace that as, hey, There's good that can come of this. And I know I'm kind of on a trail here, but I like it because it's more than just that silver lining, you know, positive affirmation stuff that oftentimes you see on those like short little posts or those five second videos, you know, you can make it, you can do it. And I'm like, well, it really depends. Like, it's not that tomorrow is going to be a better day. It might be just as tough tomorrow or worse. That's not the point. The point is you are valuable, you are resilient. There's something that's going to come of this um, and you're not alone in doing it. That's the important part.
1: I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that's where both our values can fall in the doing your own work, processing those early family life, You know, whether it's a trauma or whether it's just you know the strict parenting or the, the flavor of the family group you grew up in. We have to learn and reflect on how did that shape us? And I totally feel I am just a product of the brilliant people like I've been around, whether it's my own therapist that I've seen, which I've had many everywhere I go, I get my own therapist because I believe in the work going on or it's professors, teachers, all that wisdom that's come, you know, through other people. I feel like when you do your own work, you're able to understand yourself better and thus, you know, explain and help others. But Many of us get so stuck in our unconscious, in just the ways that like we've always been, we don't have an understanding of why, why am I this way? Why am I somebody who avoids, right? Avoids any situation yeah. where I might, um, you know, be vulnerable in the limelight. Why am I someone when anytime I'm faced with a threat, I get really angry, and I lean into it, I push people away. But when you do your own work, when, when, whether it's in therapy, whether it's journaling, whether you, whether you do a narrative approach, um, you can understand that and thus be able to connect better with others.
0: It's a beautiful thing. I. And I think that has so much more value in depth than just saying like, hey, don't worry, tomorrow's gonna be better. Like that doesn't meet somebody where they're at. Like what you're talking about has so much more value. And uh, it takes a little bit longer to explain, uh, maybe longer than the 15 seconds that is the attention span of average TikTok viewership. <laughs> but- yeah. So much and more impactful.
1: So much more, and if if there was a con of like TikTok, and there there's plenty of cons of TikTok, oh sure, but if there was, it is that of like people want quick fixes. I I want a quick fix, you know. We all do, but the reality that double is,
0: shot of mental health espresso.
1: That, that's it. Just give me the double, <laughs> and I'm good for forever. Right. But I say this all the time in my lives of explaining to people: therapy is hard. It is hard work. And creating meaningful change in your life is not quick. It's not one yet yeah, 20-second TikTok video and you're like, got it. That's not it. And creating meaningful change. That mm. video can be helpful. And I I believe in that and love that about TikTok. But you're right. It, it's not the depth of what we see through psychotherapy, psychoanalysis.
0: Yeah, certainly not. Wow, it's cool. I'm glad. I'm glad that you bring that value to those people who watch you because um, it's so much deeper and so much more l- long-term impact than just the just the little tidbits that are often the most popular. I think you're doing the real work.
1: Oh man, I appreciate that. I really do.
0: Yeah, man. Well, Justin, is there uh, anything that you're you're working on? You can shout out, tell the people about what to what to get that long-term content from you
1: yeah yeah this year at some point i'll be rolling out my own podcast, so i'm excited about that let's As go well- <laughs> i i've been inspired by of course jesse and so many others <laughs> just exactly what you do so well jesse is provide a longer platform to talk about mental health talk about psychology and so i'll be starting that at some point this year but throughout the year i'm always running stress reduction workshops which I love talking about the ways that we can become more grounded in our lives. Um, That's kind of as close as I get to providing people with tools when I'm not doing my one-on-one depth work, but I love it because mindfulness is something that when we're practicing being in the moment, being more grounded, not only can we feel better and have intuition, creativity, closer relationships, but it allows us to open up towards the vulnerability, which we know is so important in therapy. So I run those groups throughout the year. You can always check out one of those in the link in my bio on TikTok.
0: That's awesome. What's that? What's that website where they can find it?
1: it the website is a modern Love it.
0: Love it. Check it out. Justin's the best. Uh Justin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for being a part of this episode, and I look forward to the next time that we get to trip off together.